Gracious God, we thank you for your word. What a wonderful thing you've given to us. We pray now for your spirit to be upon the speaker and upon the hearers that your word may have proper, good uh, work upon each one of us according to your purpose for us, which is good and glorious. So help us right now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Like most biblical authors, Paul was a consummate wordsmith. He could arrange words and express ideas in such a way as to, as to offend as many people as possible. <laughs> Consider just a few of these examples from Ephesians. He tells wives, you got them up here or no? Yeah. Okay. Wives, submit to your own husbands. That's really quite offensive today, is it not? For most people. He also says some things about predestination. He says this. Hello. And you were dead in your trespass. No, no, no. There's, you missed one in between there. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. There it is. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. Well, everyone loves predestination, don't they? Don't you just, oh, well, let's talk about predestination for a while. We don't like it. We're offended by it. But the Bible's filled with it. And then the one that we just had before, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's not a very good picture for you, is it? You're dead in those things. You're dead in the water. People get offended if you tell them that. Trust me, I know I've experienced it. I, I was offended myself when someone told me I was that way. Oh, no, not me. Uh, likewise, our, in our text for today, you can take that down now. In our text for today, he tells the Ephesians they were no longer strangers and aliens. What does that mean? That means that one time they were strangers and aliens. Whew. The plain implication is that uh, is how he, what he said in verse 12 of chapter 2, they'll project that for us. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Hopeless people. No hope at all. Strangers and aliens. All right, you can take that down. Thank you. However, the Bible is a relentless truth teller. Hence, Paul also tells the rest of the story. There is the but now corollary. But now, what does he say? You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Can you believe that? I don't know how many times just that, that phrase, and are of God's household. What a glorious thing to be part of the household of God. Now, how do people get from one category to another will be our focus today, but with special attention to how that applies to the confirmation class, but to the rest of us as well. Now, let's consider the confirmation class. No longer, no longer do we call you twerps. What are those twerps doing? No longer are you just kids. No longer are you riding your parents' spiritual coattails. Today is the day of your spiritual majority. Picture, if you can, heaven. 
There's all these houses with addresses on them, just like you go down through Satterton or Telford or Hardingsville, you see these houses and they post them. Now, before you've always dwelled in the address where your parents are, now you have your own address. Caleb, Cameron, Allison, your address, your spiritual majority, that's significant. That's tremendous. You should be amazed, humbled, and embrace that with joy. But, though you've reached your spiritual majority, that's not true in all areas of your life. You still live at your parents' address legally, right? Uh, You still have age restrictions on your driving. You still can't vote in public elections. All kind of things like that. So you're in transition is what you are. Now, what is transition? We have a good definition for transition. It says this. Transition is the process or period of change from one state or condition to another. It's change. It's, it's going from one thing to another. And, you know, there's only one category of persons who like transition, who like change. Do you know what that category of persons are? Ron Moyer does. But he won't. What? Babies what? Babies with dirty diapers. Thank you, Helen. The rest of us, we don't need change. We don't need it. Babies with dirty diapers, yes, indeed, we'll take some change. All right? We don't like it. By the way, all of us are in a state of transition. God's working on us to prepare us for heaven. Our citizenship is already there, but we're down here. So we're transitioning from this life to that life. And so this life is always a preparation, a a tooling, a refining, a a working on us to make us prepared for heaven. So for all of us, the confirmation class as well as the rest of us, here's some notes, some points that we need to note. First of all, our transition is initiated by God. He's the one in charge of it. Here's the basic question all folk ask. What is true faith? You got that up there? Put that for us. The confirmation class recited for us earlier. What of it? It begins with what? It begins with his word, with the word. It's a certain knowledge by which I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. You need to have that. All Christians need to have a certain, determined knowledge that the Bible says is true. I'm going to find there by hope, my help, my instructions, the precepts, the law of the Lord. That corresponds to our scripture reading where it says you've been founded on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. If you don't have that foundation, you're out of it. Always believe in the Bible. Stay in it. Confirmation class. You know, you won't have any, any homework now from me. But stay in it. Read it. Study it. Now today is Pentecost Sunday. We have the, the proper uh, hangings here. Uh, Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit for 40 days there. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Well, for 10 days. Uh, there's no prescribed way that he was, they, they didn't know what to expect. They said, wait for the Holy Spirit. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit, expect the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, and He works in our lives as He will. For them, 
Did we read this today? We read it at home. We read it at home this morning. Uh, for them, it was a mighty rushing wind. Woo! Flames came down on their heads. They spoke with other tongues and other, all kinds of languages. That was God working in their midst. They knew it. They were changed. They were empowered. Now, you and I, confirmation class as well as the others, we need the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, how's, put, put question 21 back up there again if you would please. I can't read that far away. I can read here. Uh, a wholehearted trust which the Holy Spirit creates. Now he doesn't fire up your embers that are already there. He puts in, he creates in us through the gospel, true faith. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So we need ourselves continually to look for God to work by His Holy Spirit. And we can't prescribe the fashion. Sometimes it's the mighty wind, sometimes the gentle whisper. Sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. But work for, or not work for, but listen for, uh, wait for, be expected of the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You learn how to do that the same way you learn everything else, by trial and error. Sometimes you'll mess up. It's all right. God doesn't mind if you mess up. He understands. Psalm 103, he knows that we're about flesh. He made provision for that. But learn to walk in the Spirit. You want to learn how to do that. And it's personal, not just to us, but to you also. Now, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Leave 21 up there. That's good. Uh, without him, without the Lord Jesus Christ, we have nothing. All this is done solely for the sake of Christ's saving work. Our gospel lesson that we read today from Luke chapter 20, you know, it has the picture of that stone. It says, those who fall on him, on it, will be broken. Those on whom it falls will be smashed to smithereens. Fall on the Lord Jesus. He'll break you in a good way. He'll give you a broken and contrite heart. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he doesn't smash you to smithereens. He breaks you to remake you. We'll see what that means in just a second. Well, we'll do it right now. Now, how does this work out in our lives? Let's put up question 88 from the Heidelberg Catechism. These kids know that. How many parts are there to the true repentance or conversion of man? How, how many? Two. Two. The dying of the old self and the birth of the new. Well, what's this dying in this birth? Show them what that is. 89 and 90. What is the dying of the old self? Sincere sorrow over our sins and more and more to hate them and flee from them. Have you experienced that? Do you experience that? That's an initial experience, but it's ongoing. Sincere sorrow over our sins and more and more to hate them and flee from them. We, we know the judgment of God's on it and we want to get away. But what's the birth of the new self? Complete joy in God through Christ. We're completely removed from that judgment because of what Christ has done. And he works within us that we want to uh, live according to the will of God in all good works. We have a desire to serve and love and live for God. That's the birth of the new man. Now, this old man and this new man are in us until we die. The old man reduces day by day. The new man should be growing. But that old man doesn't finally die. It's sort of like the Terminator, you know. Man, when's that red eye going to be dead? Right? You know, in the movie, maybe that's, I'm too old for you guys. But anyway, uh, you think, man, that guy's going to keep going and coming. Well, the, the old man's like that, but you have to push him down, push him down, push him down. We fight. 
But what are good works? Only those which are done in true faith. We know what true faith is, right? <laughs> in accordance with the law of God and for his glory. And not those based on our own opinion or on the traditions of men. We all ought to know that one. That's a big one there. That's the only thing good, good works are. Uh, now, this pattern from 88 through 91, that's the pattern for a Christian living. It goes on and on and on. As long as you're a Christian and you're alive. There'll come a time when you die, I'll die, and we'll be transformed and with the Lord. No more tears. All gladness and joy. So that's true faith working out word, spirit, and Jesus. But we're glad to be in transition. Put up question one, if you would, please, to the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only confidence in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you know that you're not your own? If you know that, that helps a lot. You know, if I were on my own, I'd be living in the Midwest. God's country, right? Indiana. Southern Indiana. But I'm not my own. I'm his. He said, go out here and live with all those strange alien Easterners. I'm trying to offend you. I hope I don't succeed too well. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're not our own. We belong to him. That should give our lives a lot more meaning and a lot more resilience to the things that happen to us. We know where he is and what he's doing. And this whole thing with sins, he has completely paid for all my sins, past, present, and future. Amen. Unlike you, I expect not to be perfect in the future. I want to be, I wish I could, but it turns out, shucks, I'm not, you know? But Christ has paid for all those. Now, this is in your bulletin thing, but it, we left one phrase out there, whoever typed that up, namely me. He's completely freed me from the dominion of the devil. Now, what that means is not that we're free from fighting the devil, but the devil doesn't rule us, the dominion of the devil. What do they call the church here on earth? The church militant. We're part of the church militant fighting against the devil, the world, and our own flesh. But the devil no longer has dominion. We have freedom, and that freedom is to grow. We're going to take more ground. We're going to engage more. How's the Lord working in your life with regard to your language, with your thoughts, with your habits? I'll quit. We've got to go on. Uh, it says, everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. That's true for us as a congregation as well. Did you know we're in transition as a congregation? For 35 years, I was your pastor. We did things a certain way. That all changed, but now we're in transition, and Tony Jones is our pastor. You made fun of me for my southern accent, make fun of him for his British accent. You know... Uh, if we're in transition and things are changing don't get messed up by the change does it matter if I preach from the pulpit or do I preach from the lectern or 
I've done this before. I can preach from down here. I'll get within spitting distance of you. That's all okay, isn't it? Because the, the, the hub of the matter is the word that's going forth. I wear a robe. He doesn't. Does that matter? What if I took my robe off and here I wear blue jeans? How come you're laughing? I wear these as you can see. Would it make any difference if I preached in them? Well, I am preaching in them, but I got them covered up. <laughs> I'm hiding them. Oh boy, if I can't get this zipped up again, we're in big trouble. The point is this. Don't stumble over just circumstantial stuff. Transition is going to go on. Let's get on board and transition. Let's see what God has for us. Isn't that a good thing to know? Now, we're uncomfortable with some things, perhaps, but it doesn't matter. Why does it matter? Because everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Hallelujah. That's good. Well, that brings us to Psalm 103. That encapsulates all this. I suggest you refer to it regularly. You confirmation kids, it's in your mind now. It's in your heart. I have a good, a good friend. He's dead now. Hughes Olive and Old, Scotty Old, the leading Reformed liturgical scholar in the world. Uh, his mealtime prayer was this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Thank you, Lord God, for these gifts we're about to receive. Amen. And now he knew all of Psalm 103. But before every meal, he said the first two verses of Psalm 103, and that reminded him of all the rest. And that was enough. Just like Jesus on the cross, we hear him say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? We hear that. That's the beginning of Psalm 22. He knew all of Psalm 22. Psalm 22 goes on and talks about his glorious rule over all. Forget none of his benefits. Enumerate them regularly. Think about them. Reflect on verses 6 and 7 in particular of Psalm 103. It said all this stuff. It says, the Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Who would that have been? It would have been the people captive in Egypt. Egypt always stands for sin, the devil, all that that's against us. God comes and frees us from that. He performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. You've been oppressed by sin, hard labor under the devil. He will perform righteous deeds and redeem you from that. And then nobody does next. If we're out of Egypt, but we're going there, how do we then live? He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the sons of Israel. He'll make you to know through the word the way in which you should live. That's why you need to know the word. Be in it all the time. You never know when he's going to show something to you from that. Now, the loving kindness of the Lord, this is verse 18, right? But the loving kindness, no, 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. 
Hallelujah. That, that theme is throughout the Bible. Go home and read Psalm 136. I remember I talked to a lady, she's long, not long dead, but she's been dead, dead for a while, who just didn't like repetitious stuff. Read Psalm 136 and see if God is repetitious. We do that. But he's repetitious about this. His loving kindness is everlasting. Look to him, trust in him, obey him, seek him. Here's the point. Put up verse 19, please. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you live that out? That's what the first verse was about. First song we sang this morning was about that. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. He has sovereignty. Rules over all. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, make disciples. The sermon title this morning was what? No longer, but now. But now, we're no longer locked in sin. We're no longer in the dominion of the devil. We're no longer attraction all those kind of ways. Now, he's making us fit together to be a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Can you believe that? I long for that. To experience that here for us as a congregation, to be a dwelling of God in the Spirit. To come here and, oh, it's glorious to be with one another and to sing praises to God. And at the same time, to know that our course of praise and adoration, supplication, rises up with all kinds of courses all around the world, all across time before and after, all going up to Him. Our last hymn today will talk about that. But that's because we're no longer what we were, but now we're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Amen. Hallelujah.